Welcome to Passing Judgment. This is a podcast about politics, the law, a lot of stuff in between. I'm Jessica Levinson, a professor at Loyola Law School. I'm joined today by the show's co-host, Joe Armstrong, and we are recording this episode right off of three hours of oral arguments in the Supreme Court today dealing with Texas's restrictive abortion law. And we are going to break down exactly what happened today. Joe, help us get started here. Yes, indeed, Jessica. Hot off the presses, as they used to say back when newspapers were the primary medium. Today's episode ties together a number of related topics we've been discussing in recent episodes. As you said, the Supreme Court held oral arguments in two cases related to SB8. That's Texas's highly restrictive new abortion law, which bans abortions after six weeks of pregnancy. It is important to clarify that these cases don't directly determine if SB8 is constitutional. What they do do is address a specific aspect of SB8 that may makes it different from other abortion legislation, and that's the aspect of SB 8 that allows enforcement of the law by private citizens. SB 8 allows individuals to sue other individuals who helped a woman obtain an abortion. And even more specifically, today's oral arguments deal with this essential question. Can abortion providers in Texas or the Department of Justice sue to block Texas's restrictive abortion law? Jessica, as we said, this is hot off the presses. I know you listened to those arguments this morning. Can you please set the scene for us. What did the action in the courtroom sound like? It was really oddly tense. There were a number of times where you just kind of grimaced. And I think that's because there are so many really consequential issues here. So as you said, the court today did not address the question as to whether or not Texas's restrictive abortion law is constitutional. Joe, we've talked about this before. There's no way that one can say Texas's law is, in fact, constitutional under current Supreme Court case law. Instead, the court's addressing this threshold question of who can sue and be sued to block enforcement of the law. And maybe even more sweeping than that, can other states design laws like this? And by laws like this, I mean... Can they pass laws where, let's say it's California, and California passes a law that says nobody can ever own a gun in California. Now, that's clearly unconstitutional. And California, instead of enforcing it itself, says, you know what, we're just going to allow any person anywhere in the United States to sue anytime somebody else tries to violate the law by owning a gun. That's essentially what Texas has done here with respect to abortion rights. And Joe, it would do a couple of things. It would obviously empower states to try and basically undermine the Constitution. And it would also take the power away from federal judges in blocking those clearly unconstitutional laws if the court buys Texas's position here. So I think some of the tension was really that there's so many really important issues at play. It, you know, the question comes up to us dealing with a law that restricts abortion, but it could have come up to us dealing with a law, again, that restricts gun ownership or restricts the freedom of speech or restricts the freedom of religion. And that's what the justices knew when they were grappling with these questions. So the other thing is, as tense as it was and as nerve-wracking as it was just in terms of some of the exchanges felt really kind of like sharp elbows, 
it was really, really technical and complex. And I think a lot of people like me who were following it for the full three hours at the end felt like we had basically run a marathon just, you know, listening to it the whole time. And so that's that's why we're doing an episode. The episode will not be three hours, everybody. And we're going to try and do this in, in our usual about 20 minutes or so. All right. So then let's dive into what happened specifically this morning. As you said, this is some really complicated legal wrangling. Can you start by telling us the two questions the court looked at this morning? Yeah, the two questions the court looked at are basically there are two cases that came before the court and they decided to hear those two cases together this morning because they're so interrelated. The first question deals with whether or not abortion providers can sue state officials, not the state. We know that they can't sue the state because there's something called state sovereign immunity, but whether or not they can sue state officials who they say are helping to enforce this law. So who would those officials be? State court judges, state court clerks that basically accept the suits and then, you know, docket the suits. And then the second question deals with a second case brought by the federal government, the Department of Justice. And that question is whether or not the Department of Justice can sue the state of Texas at all in a situation like this, whether or not the federal government has any role to step in and say, okay, federal law is still supreme. There's something called the preemption doctrine, and you, Texas, have passed a law that contravenes federal law. So here we are trying to block that Texas law. So those were the two questions. Again, there are threshold questions here, everybody. It's who can sue and who can be sued. All right, Jessica, now please remind us, this case or a similar case already came before the court at some point? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I totally understand listeners might feel like, didn't I already listen to this episode? Didn't you already talk about abortion providers going to the Supreme Court? And the answer is yes. So previously, Texas's law was set to go into effect on September 1st. Now, abortion providers challenged Texas's law in the trial court. They then challenged it again in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, basically did nothing. And then they appealed on an emergency basis to the Supreme Court. We did a separate episode where there was a day where the Supreme Court did nothing. They didn't rule on this appeal by the abortion providers, which meant the law went into effect. Then 24 hours later, we get this opinion from the Supreme Court, which essentially is them just writing to explain why what happened is going to continue to happen, which is why can this law go into effect? So that was a similar but different case because it was abortion providers saying to the court, stop this law, as opposed to abortion providers saying to the court, can we sue state officials to stop this law? Okay, so given the concept of supremacy, how could the Supreme Court allow Texas's unconstitutional law to go into effect? Uh, That's basically, Joe, exactly what Justice Sonia Sotomayor said in her dissent in that case. Um, She said, look, I'm looking at the 
federal law. I'm looking at our decisions in Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. I'm looking at the Texas law. These two things can't be squared. And what the Supreme Court did in my mind is really just throw up their hands and say, gosh, this is just such a difficult procedural question because this isn't the typical situation where Texas enforces its own law. Instead, it outsources enforcement. So, wow, we're really not sure whether or not abortion providers can sue state officials. And Joe, it feels to me like a situation where, you know, you break your ankle, it's a complex break, you go to the doctor and the doctor says, ooh, this is a weird one. I'm really not sure what we should do about it. Just go ahead and walk on it for a few more weeks and then come back and, you know, we'll we'll try it again. In my mind, that's basically what the Supreme Court did is they said, oh, it's such a tough, novel, complex procedural question. We're not going to stop this law from going into effect. Now, you know, to be a little more nuanced, you did see all of the justices, again, we're talking about that initial challenge that went before the court that they answered on September 2nd. You did see all of the justices say, this is a really hard procedural question, but you saw the liberal justices saying, yeah, it's a hard procedural question, but we know what federal law is, we know what the state law is, and the state law violates federal law. Okay, so let's go a little deeper on this, Jessica. I know you listened. Let's go into the first case. What are the abortion providers arguing? What did they say in front of the bench today? Yeah, and we talked about this a little bit before, but I think it bears repeating because there are just there are a number of cases going on here and there are a number of really complex procedural issues. So again, this first case is abortion providers suing state officials. We know that they can't sue the state directly because of some different decisions. So they're suing state officials like state court judges, like state court clerks. And they're saying, we need to be able to sue these people to stop enforcement of the law. Now, Texas is saying, look, just accepting a filing as a court clerk, that's not enforcing the law. And Texas is really saying here again, like, not it. You can't sue any state officials. But but that's basically what the abortion providers are arguing, which is, Supreme Court, we should be able to sue these state officials. And that's basically what Texas is arguing here, which is, no, you shouldn't be. They're not enforcing the law. Private individuals are enforcing the law. All right, then, same question for the second case. What is the federal government claiming? So the federal government is claiming something that we also kind of talked about, but again, bears repeating, which is they said, okay, we were in a situation, Supreme Court, where you threw up your hands, you said, you know, I don't know who can sue and be sued to enforce this law. So we stepped in because we have a role in protecting the federal law. We have a role in protecting supremacy. And so the Department of Justice sued, and the lawsuit, in my mind, really boils down to the idea of, we're the federal government, federal law does not allow Texas's law to stand, and so yes, it's extremely rare and unusual that the federal government would sue a state government, but this law is extremely rare and unusual. Now, Texas, again, is saying federal government, you can't sue us. They're saying that there are separation of powers issues, that the federal government really is not a proper plaintiff in this case. And so, again, 
for our listeners, a lot of what happened in the Supreme Court is really boiling down to who can try and sue to stop Texas's law and who can um, be sued. And the federal government, I think, when I was listening to oral arguments, really kind of acknowledged, well, look, if you allow abortion providers to sue state officials, we're not quite as needed. So that could play into, we're going to do kind of predictions at the end, but I think that could play into where I think these cases are going. Okay, so all this taken, it seems like the try and favor the other leg passing of the buck. So Jessica, you said before, not it. So it's one of those not it times infinity plus one situations as well. So if the final arbiter of what's legal and what's not in our country, which is the Supreme Court, if they won't address the issue, where do we go from here? How might this play out? Yeah, so if it's okay, I think I'm going to take this as a question of what do we do in this situation of favor this leg, favor that leg, or not it? And how could this play out? I think what you heard the justices, or at least five, maybe six justices saying here, is that there's something uncomfortable and problematic about federal judges not being able to weigh in on these decisions. And Let's remember something I said, you know, in the beginning where I used the example of California passing a law that clearly contravenes the Second Amendment. You have Justice Kavanaugh, who is citing to a brief by gun rights advocates, and they're basically saying a version of that, which is, be careful here, conservative Supreme Court, because you could have blue states passing laws that trample on rights you really care about. So... I counted the three liberal justices, Chief Justice John Roberts, Justice Kavanaugh, and maybe Justice Barrett as saying, we can't allow Texas's really weird enforcement mechanism to stand. We have to make sure that we don't give up our role here. Because remember, if they rule in favor of Texas here, then federal courts can't come in and block unconstitutional laws. And states can basically pass laws that undermine the Constitution to state by state. And then, and stay with me, everybody, but let's talk about Texas's response a little bit more specifically for a minute. So Texas is saying, here's what you can do, everybody. Just wait for somebody to violate the law. And then somebody else will sue that person who violates it. The person who violates the law will use as their defense that the law is unconstitutional. Now, Joe, I think there are two reasons why that's just totally unsatisfactory, or maybe three reasons why that's totally unsatisfactory. One is it doesn't allow for unconstitutional laws to be blocked before they go into effect. We have to allow the law to go into effect Somebody violates it, then there's a lawsuit. There's a lot of time there where an unconstitutional law is on the books. You know, the other thing is Texas sets up its law so that it's really, really expensive to violate that law. It's $10,000 if you lose a case plus attorney's fees and you can be sued by more than one person for violating the law. So you're not going to find a ton of people who are willing to say, hey, I violated this law. And then the third thing, Joe, is that even if you win in one of these state court suits and the judge says, yes, you're right, 
this law is unconstitutional. In the first instance, at the beginning, at the very least, that will just mean you can't enforce this law with respect to this particular person. So it doesn't automatically lead to a statewide injunction, which is what a federal court can do. And so Texas is saying, you know, don't worry, just take this other side road. Well, that road ultimately is either not going to lead you where you need to go, or it's going to be so winding that it will be, you know, question as to whether or not you can arrive at your destination before the party's over, basically. Okay. All that being said, where does that leave us? Does that mean that Texas's new law, SB8, is declared unconstitutional? Okay. Great question. You're bringing me back to what a lot of people care about, which is like, okay, what's going to happen in Texas? And the answer is, no, all of these questions that the court addressed, they all deal with who can sue and be sued. They don't address the question of whether or not Texas's law is unconstitutional. It's just who can go to court and say Texas's law is unconstitutional. Okay, again, all this being said, could all of this be for naught at some point? So ring, 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 ring. Is that Mississippi's restrictive abortion law here on the other line? Yes. So this is the other thing that feels so strange. I wish I could find a better word for strange, but that's the other thing that feels really strange about what happened this morning is in the background of these procedural cases is, okay, there are women in Texas who cannot exercise their constitutional right to get an abortion. And in the background, we all have to keep remembering right, but the court might take that right away, that constitutional right away pretty soon. And that's because, as we've talked about on December 1st, the court is hearing arguments in a case out of Mississippi where they essentially ban all abortions after 15 weeks. Now, the Mississippi case could go a couple of different ways, but the court could conceivably say there's no constitutionally protected right to an abortion, in which case the backdrop of everything that's happening in Texas obviously changes dramatically. We still need an answer for, can states try and create laws like this that insulate themselves from judicial review, but the context really changes. So then is what you heard this morning a not-so-subtle clue about how the current members of the court feel about abortion rights in general and might therefore rule on other challenges to abortion rights? You know, I think yes and no. This is another really good question, which is like, okay, well, Texas's law deals with abortion. The Supreme Court heard oral arguments in Texas's law, so it must tell us where the court's going when it comes to abortion rights. And I would say let's start with the no. No, because this really is a broader question about how states can pass laws and create enforcement mechanisms. And in that way, it's separate from abortion rights, right? I mean, we use the example of California passing a law saying nobody can own a gun. Um, That's obviously a completely separate right, but it raises really the same question, you know, can a state do that? Can a state pass an unconstitutional law, outsource its enforcement, and then say, not it, you know, don't sue me and don't sue state officials. But here's the yes, Joe. The yes is 
the court did allow this law to go into effect. And so maybe not so much this morning, but at least in that case, I can't really imagine that the court would allow another law to trample on constitutionally protected rights. So I have a piece coming out on MSNBC, and the example I use is, let's say Congress passes a law, and the law is, you can't criticize members of Congress. Okay, clearly violates the First Amendment. And Congress says, but we're not going to sue to enforce it. Other people, private individuals, are going to sue to enforce it. I have to think that when someone sued and said, to a federal court, and eventually the Supreme Court stopped this law, they would have found a way to stop this law, which means what happened this morning, Joe, no, it doesn't tell us what the court thinks about abortion rights, but what's happened in general when it comes to Texas's law does tell us what the court thinks about abortion rights. Okay, so we've been kind of talking around my next question this entire episode so far, which is the law of unintended consequences, because SB8 essentially deputizes individuals or puts put another way, encourages vigilante lawsuits, individuals suing individuals over rights intended to be in the jurisdiction of governments. Now, I want to read just a little something from a Washington Post article from July, and it goes like this. The law would also have vast ramifications for our system of governance. If permitted to take effect, SB 8 would supply a ready blueprint for any state or locality looking to target federal rights they dislike. Today, if Texas is banning abortion, tomorrow New York could ban gun sales, permit anyone to sue gun buyers or sellers, and offer a five-figure bounty to entice endless private lawsuits. Post certain conservative sentiments on Facebook? A state could authorize lawsuits by anyone who saw your post. Same-sex couples could be sued by neighbors for obtaining a marriage license. Unpopular political groups could be barred from gathering under threat of vigilante lawsuits. The possibilities are endless. A slightly dystopian judicial future there. So if a state, Texas in this case, can write a law that allows individuals to sue individuals about a right guaranteed by federal law, what is to prevent states from writing similar laws about other hot-button issues? Like I said, we've been alluding to this this whole time. Is Texas willing to release this genie from the bottle, collateral damage be damned. Yes, I mean, they are. But Joe, I'm glad that you read that because yes, we talked about it, but it is kind of a weird concept and it does bear repeating, which is all of those things could conceivably happen if we adopt Texas's position. And that's why I think the Supreme Court won't adopt Texas's position. So to wrap it up, what do I, you know, it's so risky to make predictions about what the Supreme Court will do after oral arguments, but here we are. So I think that, again, there are about six votes to say abortion providers go forward against state officials, specifically against court clerks, because the justices realized that it's not just abortion rights at issue. It's potentially any right that's at issue, and it's their role as protecting those rights that's at issue. Now, if the abortion providers can go forward in their case, then I don't think things look quite as rosy for the Department of Justice's argument here. I don't know that I count five votes to allow them to move forward, but we'll see. And that, Joe, I think is in about 20 minutes, hopefully everything you need to know about the three hours of oral arguments this morning. Boy, that is a lot, Jessica. Thank you so much for taking one for the team and listening to all three hours of that and talking about with me today. 
Well, you know, I, I love that stuff. So not taking one for the team, honestly, I know we both feel this, but it's so much fun to be able to share these topics and try and explain them to people. Um, and we so appreciate it. We certainly do. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You can find Jessica on Twitter and Instagram at Levinson Jessica. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at In-Depth Day. You can find the podcast, Passing Judgment, to which you are listening on Twitter at Pass Judgment Pod and on Instagram at Passing Judgment Pod. Happy November, everyone. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. We'll have more for you soon. Mm-hmm.